1: Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, sponsored by Cyclist Magazine. I'm joined today by Brian Smith, a former professional cyclist who rode the Giro in 94. Today's stage, tough one, started and finished in Cesenatico, which of course is the hometown of Marco Pantani. You rode the Giro in 1994 with Pantani, I rode the Giro with him in 2003. So it's funny, that's probably one of the only riders that we both raced with.
2: Yeah, there'll be a few out there, but yeah, yeah he was one of the ones, he was just coming onto the scene then and... I can remember, I, I didn't know who he was, nothing about him, he was riding for Carrera and Kiapucci was the, the big rider on that team that year and all of a sudden this... He was 24 I think Yeah, and, and he
1: looked about 40 didn't he? Yeah, yeah.
2: And, you know thin in hair, mm. he, he, he wasn't bald, he wasn't the pirate then but mm. all of a sudden the last week of the Giro, always very difficult and I can remember Stage, Stelvio, Mortarolo, Aprica and he was just dance in a way. I I never saw it the where I was, but I watched the highlights on the T V later and absolutely incredible. Won two stages that year and yeah. he's and I think it would have been one of his first Giro d'Italia's burst onto the scene the rest is history.
1: Today's stage, I mean that was that was um I don't think it would have come over on the T V images, but that was a tough stage today, wasn't it? You know, we saw how how sort of whittled down that that G C group was towards the end, but very cold for the riders. I think I don't think that you ever get that impression on the T V but we just saw Simon Clarke. How much he was wrapped up and how many clothes he on. But that that was a tough one for today. That the coldness would, tonight would actually take more out of the riders than maybe the the, the terrain would have today. It
2: was a brutal stage, Brad, because yeah. not only did you have the the weather to contend with, the terrain—it's just up and down, twists and turns. You, you never got a real chance in today's stage just to to ride easy. It wasn't an easy stage at all, and
1: it would be tough for the riders to recover from this. Uh, quick step once again. They did a great job, didn't they? Obviously, their job was made easier, if you like, because um, NTT really showed for the first time in this race sort of a real statement of intent, almost as if they were going to launch Pozzovivo on that last climb, which we all sort of was a bit bizarre anyway. As a from a stage point of view that that this would be a stage he would do that.
2: Well, 14 riders uh, got in a breakaway today and there was about four possibly five riders that were there as kind of pawns for the for the GC uh, riders it, it got up to 13 and a half minutes then with 125 kilometres to go NTT came to the front and we thought wow this is this the race is on now we're going to see big attacks GC battle it was just kind of fizzled out a little bit we saw Posse Vivo had to go you don't put your team on the front and then not do anything, but he's just, he just—he didn't have the legs in the end. And no. all the GC contenders, apart from Pernsteiner from Bahrain, everybody
1: rolled into the finish. Yeah, uh, good to see Teo Gegenhart there. You know, he's run having the ride of his life, really, isn't he? In the absence of his leader, or what would have been his leader in Grön Thomas, so. Um, you know, top 10 is well on the cards for him now if he carries on like this.
2: Yeah, it looks very much like that mm. and I was really impressed with him and same um, with a couple of days ago, the stage that Sagan won, he was right up there as well. Uh, but Narvaez, the options that Ineos have got now, you know, th- not thanks to Geraint Thomas, but with the fact that Geraint Thomas is not here, we're, we're seeing actually, you know, how the team are, are riding, how strong they all are as, as individuals. We wouldn't have seen that one from Ghana, we wouldn't have seen the performances from uh, Ben Swift or or Gagan Hart or or Narvaez today so it just goes to show you how how incredible that team is is riding at the moment Almeida, can he do it? I think he can, I've seen him growing in confidence, Mm. I saw a bit of weakness in the stage on Sunday stage 9 towards the top of the climb but he put that down to he was absolutely freezing cold, today was another but I think the team is starting to ride with a lot more confidence And, and you know the longer you go through a, a, a three-week tour, yeah, absolutely. other competitions and other scenarios you benefit from. Yeah. They benefited from NTT today. So there might be occasions where Quick Quickstep might benefit from you know, Bora riding for Sagan or, or other teams and, and they can sit back a little bit. Yeah. So all these scenarios, you get into the, the, the final week, they can benefit from it and it looks, it looks the real deal. The only thing I worry about, we talk about all these young riders, Brad's, Pogacar winning the Tour and, and Hershey and things like that. This is his first Grand Tour. Mm. He's, and riding his first Grand Tour, he doesn't know how his body's going to react. Because no. that's You ride any um, Grand Tour, your first Grand Tour, you always they always say to you, worry about uh, what happens to your body yeah, yeah. in the last week of a Grand Tour. Because I never used to eat, eat any red meat. And in 94, I get told that you have to eat a little bit of red meat because your body needs the amino acids and various yeah, things that yeah. you get from red meat. Otherwise, you start to eat your own muscles. So I was, I was learning myself all these things because I always, along, always yeah. used to eat just fish and chicken and things like that. Mm. So you have to learn these things. Obviously,
1: the uncertainty now amongst this race with so many positive tests or non-positives, whichever way you want to put it. Jonathan Vouters, EF Education First, has written a letter to the RCS and the UCI and Eurosport's all out caught up with him earlier and this is what he had to say on that letter.
3: Jonathan, you and the team have written this letter to RCS, the UCI, other teams, stakeholders in the Giro d'Italia, asking them to consider bringing an end to the race on the second rest day. Tell me why you went about that and what what was the trigger for taking that action?
4: You know, the first thing to understand is this is just a suggestion to RCS. Um, we're not threatening leaving the race. We're, you know, there, there's no menacing tone to this. Um, but when we look at the 11 positive tests that happened on the last rest day you know, amongst all the race personnel and team staff and riders, et cetera, um, that brings you to a total positivity rate of about 2% um, inside of what they would call the race bubble. At 2% positivity rate, you're starting to sort of flirt, um, or at least I would say our medical director feels that you're starting to flirt with um, the bubble um, being pierced and that it really isn't intact. And given the close quarters of the hotels, given the close proximity of the Peloton Um, given that, you know, there just is inevitably some interaction in between teams during the race. Um, we just felt like it was our responsibility to ask RCS to not push, uh, the luck that much. Now that isn't to say that they've done anything wrong to this point. That isn't to say that the race can't make it to Milan completely safely. It may be able to. It's just our suggestion that as opposed to having, um, risking that uh, you get more positives and that then another team leaves and some people are angry and other people aren't angry that, and that the race, you know, runs the risk of just sort of ending one day, very randomly, um, that we actually decide as a group, as all of the teams and RCS working together, we decide on an end point together so that everyone is, you know, sort of has, well, they know when the race is going to end and we know, um, you know, what what the risks are for, for the rest of the race, as opposed to right now where things are a little bit unknown and it could become pretty chaotic if you have further teams deciding to leave and other teams wanting to race. and everyone being divided in opinion it was it was our intent to try to maybe unify the opinion in just ending the race a little bit early.
3: So the UCI have replied saying that they plan to to continue with the race that they they feel they're doing enough to try to reinforce any protection of the riders are you satisfied with their response and with the plan of action?
4: Well the The response and the plan of action wasn't really anything different than what was given to us at the beginning of the race. Um, You know, I I cannot tell because the response is so limited um, and um, so vague, I can't really tell whether um, our concerns or our suggestions were taken seriously or whether they were just brushed aside. Um, that's really unclear um, in the letter from, um, from, from Lepartian. Um, so I, I don't really know what to make of it, honestly. Um, it, it, uh, the, the letter didn't, didn't really get to the core of the issues or, or didn't really seem to um, address our suggestion.
3: And it was a letter, of course, not just to the UCI and to RCS, but to other teams as well. So what has the feedback been yeah. from the other teams? You said that you wanted to create some sort of a unity amongst the peloton. Do you think you're getting towards that?
4: Well, it's, it's very difficult to create unity amongst the peloton. But, but what we were hoping for is that we could get a unity amongst RCS um, and all of the teams together. And that we could just come to an agreement between those two parties um as to how to best proceed going forward and don't get me wrong like there's not a single team in this race and there's not a single rider on our team that doesn't want to make it to milan um and the finish of the race and and our riders are actually you know they they're getting out there and they're racing every day just like we saw with simon clark uh, finishing third today we're just trying to be proactive in protecting them and and just making sure that the race doesn't end uh, in a in a in a sort of a chaotic and divided form. Like it, I, we just feel it would be better if all the teams stayed or or we wrap the race early, but that we don't get into a situation where some teams are going and some teams aren't, and everyone is left to their own individual um, individual decision in and way. Because if we look at other professional sports, um, the rules of how uh, COVID testing and then the reaction, if there are positive tests and what the league does, what the players do, when the games are rescheduled, whether the games are canceled or not. If we look at that, the approach of other uh, professional sports leagues has been very unified and has been an agreement between the players and the organizers. Um, And we're just hoping to to get to the same point as opposed to very um, unilateral and and individual decisions. So we're just hoping that RCS just, you know, will sit down and have the discussion with the teams.
3: So you're not at the race right now, Jonathan, but I presume you're in really close and regular contact with the guys on the ground. What is the feedback that you're getting from them? Do they feel comfortable continuing in the race all the way to Milan if this continues?
4: Well, I mean, I would say as of today, yes. Uh, they do, um, although it, it changes very quickly. Um, when something scary happens, when uh, you get, you know, a, 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 you know, something that pops up in the media, like all these motorcycle drivers in the in the e bike race or whatever that is, I don't, I don't even know. Um, that scares them, and then sort of once that sort of reeled back a little bit, they feel comfortable again. So the, it, it bounces around. You really have to keep your finger on the pulse because it does it does change. On a day-to-day basis, or even an hour-to-hour basis, um, tonight uh, RCS is conducting additional testing, um, and I think the results of those tests will um, really give us a picture into into the way forward. Um, and I think and I think the results of those t- additional tests tonight are gonna are going to really dictate whether or not our riders have a stronger reaction. Um, or whether they're worried about continuing the race or whether they're not gonna be worried about continuing the race. I think it'll give us a picture as to like, whether the 11 people that tested positive on the last rest day, if that has spread further or if it was isolated.
3: And so Jonathan, at the end of your letter, you had said that if any one of your members of staff test positive, rider or otherwise, that you will withdraw the team from the race. Or indeed, if you feel that the staff or the riders are increasingly concerned about their welfare. Is that your plan then? Can you confirm that if you get one positive test, that the team will leave the race?
4: Yeah, if it's a it's a confirmed positive test, which which you know can sometimes be a little difficult because these these tests do have a certain margin of error. But if it's a confirmed positive test that is confirmed two or three times with different tests, um, and we have someone of our staff or riders that has that, that means that our bubble has been broken and has been pierced. Um, And so therefore it would be the responsible thing for us to remove ourselves from the race, not only for the benefit of our riders, but actually for the benefit of the Peloton. And we certainly aren't gonna, if if, if that were to happen, we certainly aren't gonna do that in, you know, in a chaotic or disorganized way. We're just going to do that in in a very organized and, and, you know, in a professional manner that is just protecting the rest of the peloton because we don't feel like, you know, we don't want to be the vector making the situation worse. We don't want to be the, the one team that prevents the race from making it to Milan.
3: Do you have any thoughts? then, finally, Jonathan, about the teams who have continued racing despite a positive test, the likes of Sunweb, Ineos, AG2R. Do you have any feelings that you care to share about whether they should still be in the race?
4: Well, again, you know, this is, um, we're, we're dealing with a situation where each team is sort of left to their own devices a little bit. Um, and we're just going by the advice of our medical director. Um, and so we're, we're doing the best we can with, um, his advice and his counsel and, you know, moving forward, um, Moving forward like that, as opposed to because there just it has not been a great deal of of absolute direction um, from the UCI on this matter. Uh, so, on this matter, so we're you know we're we're inventing our own rules a little bit, and we're just trying to do that in accordance with um, with what our medical director thinks is the smartest move.
3: Okay, Jonathan, we're keeping everything cross that all your guys and all of the peloton remain safe and well thank you very much best of luck with it all
4: Yeah, thank you and we hope we make it to Milan
1: so Brian what do you make of that it seems um it seems a strange one seeing as the the stance um Jumbo Visma, Mitchelton Scott I know they had positive tests in their team but for someone who's so concerned about this bubble that's been burst and the health of the race and everyone in is it not his duty to pull his own team out if he's that concerned?
2: Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, he doesn't just, you know, write a letter and he just does it. If, if you're unhappy about something, you just do it, and that's what Richard Pluger did. They got that positive test when Crowswick. Was it positive? I don't know. Michael Matthews. It was a a false yeah. positive. How do you think, you know, he feels at the moment? Um, so I think there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know enough. But why? When you know that the race organisers have already said publicly they're going all the way to Milan, yeah, right. So there's there's no stopping them. Only government intervention. So they know by, by writing a letter in the first place that you know what sort of reaction are you going to get anyway. They yeah. want it to go the whole way. So what's the, I don't see the point in writing that letter. Either you go and talk to all the teams and say, well, either we do it all together or not, or or you do it yourself.
1: Um, from what I understand it was a closed letter and it's become an open letter I don't know if that was his intention but he he's certainly been backtracking now in what he's saying against what he said in the letter so I wonder if it was ever supposed to go public and now he kind of feels that um, it's silly about it
2: I just don't see the point either you, you get solidarity between everybody mm. there's a lot of people investing a lot in this there's a lot of riders out there without contracts there's a lot of teams looking for you know sponsorships there's a lot of this happening and he may have talked to the rest of the teams and they said, no, you know, we, we'll deal
1: with it. But there is a union for that, isn't there? Amongst the directors of all teams, isn't there?
2: Yeah, there is. Um, um, there is a union and obviously there's a there's a riders union yeah, as well, yeah. but there's a teams union. Yeah, they would have been the ones that would have contacted all teams mm. and, and Jonathan would have been aware of this. So mm. why didn't he go to all the teams and said, I'll tell you what, um, why don't we halt it? And if it comes from the majority of the teams in the race because I believe that the, the second division Italian teams won't be kind of part of this no, they might, no. might not be but if there's a majority then it comes with some power Yeah, not just one team saying you know we, we, we might want to halt, you know you might want to think
1: about halting yeah. the race on Sunday I can't see him stopping it I think there's too um, too much riding on it really um, and the next few days will we'll, you know, be testament to that in terms of how many tests, positive tests we get back and, you know, it's, it's very a lot of uncertainty around the test as well at the moment.
2: Imagine it? telling Nibali, you've got a time trial oh. which you get beat convincingly by Almeida and one mountaintop finish on Sunday yeah. to, to try and win the Giro d'Italia. When he's sitting, said so. he's sitting, waiting, he's sitting waiting yeah. for the final week. It's, it's not, and he's the, he's a major influence in, you know, the race and Italian mm. cycling and everything as well. So, I can't see it happening. Well,
1: We'll uh, watch with interest the next few days. Um, Should be a sprint stage tomorrow. Is DeMar going to win his fifth stage? We'll see. Um, Peter's again. Got a challenge for that points jersey. So join us again tomorrow and um, we'll see you soon. Thank you again, Brian, for joining us. Thanks for having me.
2: This episode is sponsored by Cyclist Magazine. Listeners can claim the special offer of three issues for just £3. Cyclist Magazine is a celebration of everything that makes road cycling special. And every issue is packed with the most exhilarating cycle routes, in-depth road bike reviews, and expert opinion on everything from training plans and nutrition to kit and the latest tech. Simply visit cyclistmag.co.uk forward slash Bradley Wiggins to get your free issues for just £1 each. Offer available to UK residents only until 30th of September 2021. Check the website for full T's and
1: C's.